This is a WTOP original podcast. From Podcast One. Coming up in this episode of Target USA. For freedom to remain free, we need to sacrifice something. We're now relearning that lesson. Jonathan Vasevyov is the Secretary General of Estonia's Ministry of Foreign Affairs, basically their Deputy Secretary of State. Uh, the war in Ukraine is not only concerning Ukraine uh, as a nation, as a country, it is an attack on the very core principles upon which all of our security stands. These notions of territorial integrity and sovereignty, especially on this continent of ours. If we allow this to stand, then no border is secure, no country is secure. That's why we need to defeat the aggressor now before the war escalates. Coming up on this episode of Target USA. The National Security Podcast. From WTOP in Washington, D.C., this is Target USA. Russia could render huge harm to this country. North Korea's secret missile. Capable of reaching the whole of the United States. Dangerous terrorist. D.C. is repeatedly mentioned as someplace they would like to seek an attack. Cyber criminals. Decryption successful. America has a target on its back. And on this program, we investigate the threats, the people behind them, the agencies fighting them, and the impact on you. This is Target USA, the National Security Podcast. I'm J.J. Green. In 2018, Jonathan Vasevyov, Estonia's ambassador to the U.S., appeared on this program, episode 137. We were talking about how the U.S. was struggling with the effects of Russian interference in the 2016 presidential election and the upcoming 2018 midterms. That wasn't the first time such an operation had taken place. Estonia was the victim of a similar attack in 2007. On that episode, we also heard from him a warning that if the world didn't wake up, Russia would do what it did to Estonia in a much bigger way. Almost four years later, we're dealing with exactly what he warned about in Ukraine. He's now the Secretary General of Estonia's Ministry of Foreign Affairs. We sat down to talk with him recently at the Leonard Mary Conference in Tallinn, Estonia. Ambassador, it was several years ago that you sat in my studio talking to me about what Estonia had gone through with Russia in 2007. And you talked about so many things that needed to be done to make sure that it didn't happen again. Estonia and some other countries have tried to do this, have tried to work on this, um, but some of the things that were necessary to do didn't get done. Russia took advantage of those things, and it's very clear that Russia was waiting for this opportunity that you warned about if things didn't happen. So where are we now with this war in Russia and where Estonia, Ukraine, and the rest of the West and everybody else that wants to be a part of NATO and the EU are going? Where are we going? Well, first of all, thank you for having me on then and thank you for having me on now. If I remember it correctly, um, the discussion we had a few years ago, the, the main theme that I was trying to convey was that of history never ending. History never ending for Europe, for the world, and that 
for freedom to remain free, we needed to sacrifice something. Um, we're now relearning that lesson. Uh, the war in Ukraine is not only concerning Ukraine uh, as a nation, as a country, it is an attack on the very core principles upon which all of our security stands. These notions of territorial integrity and sovereignty, especially on this continent of ours. If we allow this to stand, then no border is secure, no country is secure. That's why we need to defeat the aggressor now before the war escalates. We have, um, as the West, we have demonstrated unprecedented unity and resolve. We have implemented significant sanctions and more are on the way. We are assisting Ukraine um, more and more. Uh, we should do everything faster. Uh, we are strengthening NATO and collective defense. The Ukrainians have put up uh, heroic resistance to the um, aggressors. But this is no time to congratulate ourselves and rest on the laurels. This war is not over. It might not be over for quite some time. And for anybody who thinks that there is some kind of a magical diplomatic solution, a silver bullet around the corner that sort of just takes it off the front pages of our newspapers and solves the problem, I want to say they're mistaken. Uh, this aggression needs to be defeated. Ukraine needs to win. And Ukraine's victory is not just going to be Ukraine's victory. It is going to be a victory for stability and security in all of Europe and for all countries involved in what we would call a transatlantic community of democracies. How does Ukraine win this war? What needs to be done to win it? I've heard people say it's about Vladimir Putin. I've heard other people say it's about Russia's military capability. And I've heard also people say that it's about people in Russia rising up. What do you think is necessary to end this war? I think it's eventually, to put it very bluntly, a combination of uh, willingness and ability to maintain the current course. We need to make sure that Ukraine sustains their willingness and ability to defend their country, their ideas and ideals. We need to provide material assistance for that, including military assistance. But we also need to provide what is perhaps more difficult to quantify, but at least as important, and that is hope. We need to provide the Ukrainian people with hope that the path towards normal, democratic, free market-based European life is not only open to them, uh, but is viable. Uh, that a path towards the transatlantic community is open and viable. Hope is an important and powerful tool in any political process. And this, too, even though there are you know, uh, there's a fighting going on. This, too, is a political process. So that's number one, assisting Ukraine with material goods and hope politically, uh, making sure the doors to both NATO and the European Union remain open. Uh, secondly, we need to make sure that uh, this aggression uh, carries with it significant and increasing costs for the aggressor. Um, we need to undermine their ability and certainly their willingness to continue on the path that they have chosen, that we advise them not to undertake. Um, 
the Russians made it very clear uh, when uh, late last year they presented their so-called legally binding treaty uh, proposals to NATO and the United States. They made it very clear that their aims are not limited with Ukraine. What they are after is turning back time in European security to an era of great power politics and spheres of influence. An era where the United States is no longer a participant de facto in European or certainly Eastern European security affairs, where there is a sphere of influence where smaller countries need to do what larger countries want them to do. That won't stand. We will have to demonstrate, not only with words but with actions, that we will uphold and defend the Europe that we have built, the core principles of European security that sustain our way of life. The Russian government needs to understand that they cannot succeed. They need to understand that the cost of continuing this aggression is too much for them to bear. Uh, how they reach that point, whether this uh, will take place um, you know, uh, sooner or later, I do not know. But it is our job to make sure that every single day the cost goes up. This aggression is not over until the last Russian soldier leaves Ukraine's territory. Ambassador, one of the things that's a hallmark of Russian aggression, and certainly under this most recent administration, the one the, the, the Putin administration for 20 plus years now has been deception, has been um, underhanded trickery, things that have been done um, to, uh, I guess, undermine democracy at every turn, but also things that are legal. And, you know, they've made it clear that they are willing at least to think about attacking other of others of its neighbors. And, you, you know, Ukraine is clearly in this right now, but they've made it clear that Finland, Sweden, then, you know, they've threatened every NATO country that helps them. So Estonia has some history with Russian attacks. So um, how have you learned from that and what are you doing um, to prepare yourself so, so that whatever Russia does or tries to do will fail if, if they try to do something? Well, they're constantly trying to do something, and uh, the something they're trying to do is, is not new. I mean, this is an old playbook um, they used throughout the Soviet times. They understand today and understood then that they cannot compete with the democratic world uh, militarily and economically, perhaps even politically. What they hope for, though, is that our democratic governance uh, makes us weak, uh, makes it possible for them to corrupt our political leaders, corrupt our uh, media, uh, to confuse us, to scare us, and eventually to paralyze us. They were mistaken then and are mistaken now. You know, democracy is messy. We all know this. We have a hard time making decisions. But there comes a point if you push us too far, when it turns out we actually do have a backbone, I think we've reached that point today. Um, I think it's also important to uh, remind ourselves of the importance that fear as a political tool, 
plays international politics. Totalitarian regimes use fear with the aim of paralyzing us. They will try to scare our public opinion. They will try to scare our political leaders, our influential thought leaders, so that we would not do anything. It is important not to demonstrate fear. It is not. It is important not to be afraid. We are more powerful, economically, politically, and militarily, than any of the competitors on this planet. I think that if we've learned anything positive uh, over the uh, hard uh, weeks that this war has raised on, uh, one of those things has been the um, European Union uh, becoming more comfortable, uh, becoming more aware of the power that it has. Uh, the European Union, leaders of the European Union, have talked about a need for a geopolitical Europe before, but never before have we actually utilized the enormous economic power that the European Union has, becoming comfortable with this power, We're becoming more knowledgeable when using this power. I think we need to, first of all, not be afraid. Uh, secondly, we need to be, make sure that however painful this war is on us, however painful the sanctions and the counter-sanctions are on us, we need to be aware that this pain does not compare with the pain we would feel if we lose this war. If it becomes the norm that bigger countries can change their neighbors' borders at will. If it becomes the norm that bigger countries can decide which alliances their neighbors can belong to or cannot belong to. That pain we've felt as Europeans before, it is not good to open, reopen that Pandora's box. And finally, we need to not believe in narratives of false hope. Those telling us that there is a magic solution, a diplomatic solution, a silver bullet that would solve this problem overnight, that this solution is around the corner. If only certain people would sit down and talk to each other, they're mistaken. They are mistaken. Let's not have false hope in compromises or appeasement. We, uh, the only option that we have available for us is maintaining our unity, maintaining clarity of purpose, continuing to assist Ukraine in what is a righteous fight for their freedom, and raising the cost of aggression. I only asked for about 10 minutes or so. We're there. I recognize you're a very busy person, so I'm going to ask you this one last question, and feel free to take it wherever you want to go. Is there anything that I haven't asked you about today that you think is important as we consider, one, what it is that you do on a daily basis, what the challenges are for you, or this war or anything else that's going on in the world? Well, that's that's a very good question, but my, my short answer would be no. You, you asked the right questions. I did my best to answer them. Uh, I think the most important thing uh, for us to recognize is that the war against Ukraine is not a war against Ukraine only. It is not a security problem for Eastern Europeans or Europeans for that matter only. This war is pivotal 
and the peace that will follow this war will depend on the outcome of the war and shape our security for generations to come, not only here in Europe, but for all democracies around the world. Countries, leaders, people are watching how we handle this aggression, and they will draw conclusions, and as has been the case in the past, there will be no hiding ourselves from history. This is now historic, this is pivotal, we need to see this through to a successful end so that um, democracy could be safe in the 21st century. Excellent. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Jonathan Vasevyov, Secretary General of Estonia's Ministry of Foreign Affairs. That's it for this episode of Target USA. Coming up in our next episode. Our largest attention should be paid to Ukrainian defenses. That's Artis Pabriks, Deputy Prime Minister and Minister of Defense for Latvia. His reason for saying that is simple. European security in general will be determined by the outcome of the war in Ukraine. And he says his counterparts in Estonia and Lithuania feel the same way. Because our understanding here in the Baltic uh, region in Latvia is ultimately Ukraine must win this war and we must do everything possible to make them win this war as soon as possible. There is no other alternatives. That's coming up on the next episode of Target USA. In the meantime, if you have any questions or comments about the program, send me an email. You can reach me at jgreen at wtop.com. The letter J, the color green, one word, at Whiskey Tango Oscar Papa. jgreen at wtop.com. Also, please subscribe to our podcast and follow us on Twitter. We're at TUSA Podcast. That's at Tango Uniform Sierra Alpha Podcast. And if you want more national security news, you can sign up for my newsletter. It's called Inside the Skiff, and you can sign up at WTOP.com slash email. I'm J.J. Green, and this is Target USA. The National Security Podcast. Hey, Cobra Kai fans, come hear what Peyton Liss has to say on Kicking It With The Coves this week. Peyton plays one of my favorite characters, Tori Nichols. Our stunt coordinators came up with a sort of training background for each character. Mm, like, that's interesting. Uh, Tori had done a little kickboxing before, so that kind of came in when I first tried to take on Miguel and why I was cocky enough to think that, you know, I could come in here and I could just make an entrance. Listen to Kicking It With The Coves now at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podcast One, and wherever you can sweep your leg and get the podcasts.